Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. And the Music of America continues as we travel to Scottsdale, Arizona, and we're going to visit with Shan Jam Crane and talk about her and the Wild Banshees in just a moment. This message is primarily for women. You don't really need big promises. You need results. Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer contains only the best ingredients for your skin. It doesn't contain unnecessary ingredients that may cause you further skin issues, specifically formulated. The retinol moisturizer helps reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, making the skin appear younger, softer, smoother. Powerful combination of antioxidants like vitamin A, C, B5, and E fight premature aging by blocking some of the DNA-damaging free radicals and promoting softness and elasticity. It's called Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer. Contains natural ingredients like aloe vera, jojoba oil, rose water, sunflower oil, all great at alleviating a variety of skin conditions. And you can get it all, the Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer at simplebeautyskincare.com. It simply works. Chan Jam Crane and the Wild Banshees. That's a mouthful. How do you put all that on an album cover? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very creatively. There you go. So, (laughs) Uh, Shan Jam Crane, Crane is you. Yes. And the Wild Banshees are uh, different groups of people because you've you've had members come and go. We kind of postponed this interview because uh, one of your members had an illness or an ailment, and I hope he's recovering. Had a stroke, right? Orlando. He had a stroke. Yeah. Yeah, and it caused blood on his brain. It did oh, not no. look, uh, very promising at first, but he's doing better. He's out of the hospital. He's in rehab. I just got back from Arkansas, so I will go visit again very soon. Um, he's an outstanding fiddle player and mm-hmm. uh, orchestra leader and band leader, orchestra band leader professionally. That's what he does in schools. For a living. So there's a lot of people missing him right now. And of course, we miss him in our band. Absolutely. So we'll talk about the band and the other band members, but let's talk about Shan Jam Crane. What is Shan Jam? Cool. Well, Shan Jam is my stage name because I'm a jammer uh-huh. and I jam with flute. Uh, I'm proficient in flute. I can play virtually in any key, uh, including blue scale. So I like to go to jams occasionally. I'm getting older now, so it takes energy to do such things. I haven't been going to jams much uh, lately. But um, at one of the jams that I was attending very close to my home, uh, the host of the jam said, Shannon, you're up next. And there was a young woman named Shannon that was very good on lead guitar and guitar. And so we both were ready. And so it's like, okay, this is a little confusing because we both have the same name, Shannon, and it's not so popular. So at that point, I'm like, okay, there's another woman with my same exact legal name, Shannon Crane, on YouTube in Australia who sings. So I need to distinguish myself. So I put Shan and Jam together into Shan Jam. That's good. Um, S-H-A-N-J-A-M. Uh, Crane is my last name as my stage name. So that sets me apart. Uh, So that's the whole story behind that. (laughs) And are you from Scottsdale originally or you're not? We talked a little bit about this. No, I'm from San Diego originally. And I grew up in San Diego and I attended a lot of free concerts. Um, I could ride my bike over to the San Diego State University and I caught I don't even know who some of these people were, but I could see them uh, live uh, free and I'd go downtown uh, Balboa Park and catch people like Jesse Colin Young when they were just young people. And it's like, I just, you know, one of the best memories from the San Diego State University 
free concerts that I could just like kind of show up there was seeing a female stand-up bass player and how it was the braless era and her breasts would just jostle around oh. as she played <laughs> enthusiastically that made an indelible uh, mark on my mind I'm pretty creative and I am a nudist uh, so it was like okay free spirit no problem right on. <laughs> so um yeah just uh you know, had a lot of neat influences. And my mother and father were divorced when I was really young. My mother uh, remarried her first husband. That's a story in itself. But they were both musical. And they had a little cabin in uh, California in the Sierras, south mm -hmm. of Bass Lake and Yosemite. And they would play gospel music. They were very uh, attached to always making it praise music had to be about you know god and religion mm -hmm. and they not only do that but they believe in sacred names so they wouldn't use jesus and god they would use uh yahweh and yahshua so we had all these strange influences you know with religion but wonderful music and we were encouraged to prance around and clap our hands and sing and full voice and you know, like that. And uh, it, my father was more milk toast. He would play the radio in the car and that was <laughs> it. He was an engineer. So these different influences um, really, but I would, I would say I owe my musical influence mostly to my mother and my stepfather. My stepfather played guitar and ukulele and my mm -hmm. mother played accordion and piano and we would all sing and sing harmonies and, um, my mother played spoons. It's like we were just encouraged wow. to be really free spirited with the music as long as it was gospel oriented. Right. You know? <laughs> but in the um, era when yeah. you started performing and going to concerts and that, that was probably, I'm guessing, that was, was that around like the, the Troubadour Hotel, Laurel Canyon thing that was going on in, in Los Angeles with uh, the whole music movement that was coming out of Jackson Brown and uh, Graham Parsons? Well, I'm I'm 64. Oh, you're a so, baby. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I can't say I was real aware of the entire movement mm -hmm. of my upbringing because, um, well, my mother, you know, disapproved of anything Hollywood. Um, oh. And so, you know, but that didn't stop me from listening to late night jazz on the radio while I did yoga at my father's home in San Diego. So what I'm saying is this is really diverse mix of what's okay and what's not okay. Yeah. And the freedoms I had at my dad's, he couldn't chaperone me. He was a single father and I ran around and I got involved in all kinds of stuff. <laughs> uh, some of it probably not so good for a young lady uh, for sure. But, um, you know, uh, I had a lot of adventures and uh, a very, very much a free spirit. Anyone who knows me would describe me as a very creative free spirit. Would you say jazz was a bigger influence on the music you present now? Or was it more of the folk rock of the 70s kind of thing? Or what would you say? I would say the earliest influences were more like folk oriented my good friend uh was part of you know uh third grade second grade third grade uh music buddy uh she would play guitar and we would sing and we had people like um mamas and the papas and people of that kind of uh influence mm -hmm. uh, and she had a beautiful voice and so we would sing the popular covers that were kind of like mamas and the papas mm -hmm. and uh then of course uh all the uh cohen songs what's it leonard cohen leonard cohen oh yeah and, um, yeah so you know the folk songs so that was really my roots but then later i married a uh musician that was actually a vocal coach. That's how eh, he was in a band with that other woman, Dana, that I was just mentioning. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, I'd like some vocal lessons. And it was a little bit of a sexual come on because oh. I was interested. <laughs> and so that escalated into something different than just music right away. But um, we, 
uh, we ended up getting married and we had a band uh, later um, and it turned out to be an abusive marriage. So I went through that whole cycle of mm. realizing my self-worth and getting out of that. But he was a songwriter and I learned by observing his process and how he handled the band. And then, you know, when I was in the band with him, um, how it all worked and booking gigs and like the business, equipment. like the business yeah. side of music. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd go down to the uh, LA and Santa Barbara areas and uh, participate in song pitch with like a cassette roulette. <laughs> so they'd put, a person could record their cassettes uh, of a song and then they had a roulette uh, wheel and, uh -huh. and they would put the cassettes in the roulette wheel and whatever landed on that person got to have a critique and feedback from these producers. Um, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's kind of an, an interesting, I don't know if that was uh, just for California, West Coast influence that they did that type of activity or whether that was uh you know nationwide global i don't have any idea i, I, I grew up in the, i was part of that i grew up in the midwest i'd never heard of such a thing so maybe it was a, yeah. a west coast thing now who were you performing as then um the first band that i did with richard his name is richard inman the first band i did with richard uh we were called rough edges it was more of a countryish kind uh -huh. of influence and then as time went on we went into uh, more jazzy influences, and that was the premier band. And what was, I was your playing keyboards? I was going to ask, what was your first instrument? Was keyboards in? Well, my first instrument was probably mandolin, uh, which got stolen, <laughs> no. um, and uh, flutes. So I was given a flute as a really young child when I was about five or six it was a handmade clay flute um, one of my mother's friends had given to me and then when I was married to Richard he was teaching me to play keyboards and I would back him up with the band with the keyboards you know pretty simple keyboards but I would play keyboard bass okay and um backup vocals and he brought home a flute and he said you need to learn to play an instrument so I took private lessons I was already an adult uh you know my early 20s I took private lessons for the flute six months only, and I've played ever since, and I'm 64, and I was at that time about 22 or three, maybe. So yeah. <laughs> I've got, you know, 40 some odd years with flute, okay. I guess. But the flute kept showing up, you know, for me, and the keyboard influence helps me understand more about uh, music theory. And later I picked up the guitar. And so um, mostly I write using the guitar and sometimes the flute for melodies. Uh -huh. uh, occasionally I have to figure things out, you know, using the keyboard because I just can't quite figure it out, you know, <laughs> like using, you know the flute or the guitar. So, yeah. And percussion. I, I love drum circles. I love percussion. So. I'm thinking of that era of the 70s. And that's when Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull was pretty Definitely. big and yeah. here you are playing the flute that had to have been a magical time for you oh yeah oh yeah and people when they see me show up at a jam with a flute you know it's kind of an unusual instrument most people bring guitars and maybe mm -hmm. a saxophone or a horn but a flute is a little bit unusual for the jams um they're always like oh wow do you play you know any you know, Ian Anderson. So yeah, locomotive breath. You know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was really quite popular at one of the jams, you know, that we would do. Yeah. Do you have that lead down? Cause that is really precise that, that he plays on the flute. That's really a lot of notes really um, quick. Let's just say I jam the way I jam. There I'm not go. attached to playing the way other people play anything at all. So mm -hmm. I will always, if I cover a song, it'll be my style because that's who I am. I'm, I'm not a person that wants to try to play exactly as someone else does. I heard a great line from one of my interviews earlier from one of the people from Alaska and her sister's a, an accomplished pianist and she says why don't you ever write your own music and her answer was brilliant she said there's so much good music out there with so many different ways to interpret it 
I love that. Um, it's such a great approach great. to music. You know? Yes, that is great. And I would say one of the reasons that I started to write songs was because when I was coming out of my abusive marriage, I really was very sensitive to, I could get emotional here. I was really very sensitive to the influence of what lyrics had in the emotional life mm -hmm. of the listener. And I was very dedicated to not writing songs that were negative in content or something that I felt could bring people down because mm -hmm. I really needed to uplift my life and I wanted to be a positive force in other people's lives. So I really felt I was introduced to a form of Buddhism, actually Soka Gakkai Universe, uh, USA, Soka Gakkai uh, SGI USA, it's part of Soka Gakkai International. That's a lot of mouthful. But anyway, I was a chanting Buddhist for 30 years, actually. Wow. And that helped clear out a lot of this emotional, you know, trauma and baggage that I had. Um, but uh, so I was really a, uh, aware of the law of cause and effect, which is a theme in, in Buddhism in general, but especially mm -hmm. in Soka Gakkai. Anyway, so, um, you know, the causes that we make and the effects that they present to people or, or cause, you know, so um, I wanted my music to be a positive force and positive influence. In that era of the 70s, I was influenced by lyrics as well, but I went the other way. And I, one of the songs I actually did a presentation of the lyrics of a song by Simon and Garfunkel called Save the Life of My Child. I don't know if you're familiar with that song. Oh, wow. It was so, it was about a, a guy on a ledge that wants to jump. And wow. I acted it out and he jumps because it was my interpretation of what the song was. And it was wow. a whole, you know, oral inter class that I had taken, you know, a theater arts class I'd taken. And lyrics like that always grabbed me, those deep, dark, emotional ones. Having a conversation the other day with a song called uh, Elephant. If you're familiar with that, I'll yeah. we'll talk about that. You know, it, it's it's not you from what you're telling me, but it's a it's so well done. But you don't really know what he's singing about, and it's the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is this friend of his who has cancer. Oh, there's a a line in there that always hooks me. It says, "There's one thing that's real clear to me: no one dies with dignity." Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, you know, a friend of mine. Uh, who has, he was a percussionist and also a songwriter and played ukulele and sang. He was quite popular in a lot of um, LA Hollywood uh, extra cast uh, movies and things like that. Mm -hmm. Just a real character. Uh, he would sit in with us when we played at folk festivals or when I played at folk festivals and things like that, you know, very spontaneous, really excellent drummer. Anyway, he actually committed suicide at the end of his life mm. and he jumped from the eighth story uh, off his patio at the, his residence. And I told his sister that I was moved to write some lyrics uh, around the theme of leap of faith that in his mind, he could justify it as a leap of faith. Like he knows the angels will come and get him, even wow. if his body is broken when it strikes the ground, that it for him, in his mind, it was a leap of faith. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have not written the song, but now I'm giving away my idea. And um, I, I think I really need to write it. His sister said that that would be uh really nice if i wrote that and you know my my housemate who plays bass in my band um said well we don't want to encourage people to you know do that <laughs> right, like, right. well i just want to explain how and why he could do it because our friends you know were heartbroken and i could i just i knew him i knew him really well mm -hmm. for about 25 years and we would have these deep conversations because he was very oh he did things like play percussion at like flogging for like flogging groups where they would flog each other and the rule oh is that they draw blood then they have to stop he he taught uh toast sucking classes we would just talk about all these like bizarre things um 
So uh, maybe I should say his name. I won't now. Yeah, probably um, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but some of the people will know who I'm talking about at our local. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. Let's, um, let's get out of the dark side and let's talk about the positive stuff you write because some of your stuff is, you've got an instrumental we're going to talk about later that just listen to it. It's uplifting. But your lyrics, your position of songwriter, you want to be uplifting and give uplifting motivational kind of messages. Does that come to you naturally or does it come from somebody else's life experience like this that inspires you to write about it? Or is it something that comes from deep inside of you? It really comes from me and I would say from my Buddhist influences of taking responsibility for everything that I put out there. So I know that my life is a creation by my choice and what I do and how it influences others is my responsibility. I need to take responsibility for all the outcomes in my life. And that's a real strong theme from my Buddhist influence. So I would say it's only that, like no one told me, you know, to write positive. I didn't uh, necessarily gravitate toward people who, uh, well, yes, I actually cannot listen to some people that just drool on about, you know, the negatives in their life. I, I yeah. it, it doesn't attract me. I shy away from it, but I use the phrase lazy writing. And I don't okay. think you're a lazy writer. I don't believe lazy writing. And this is my example. Someone's knocking at the door. Someone's ringing a bell. Do me a favor. Open the door. Let him in. It was a song oh, by wow. Wings. And yes. it's, you know, what are you doing? He's writing a song. Someone's knocking at the door. Someone's ringing the bell. Uh-huh. Open the door. Let him in. <laughs> and that yeah. became a hit. That became a pop hit. Yeah. I mean, and congratulations and good luck and good fortune to you on that. If I'm going to write, that's not what I want to write. You know, right. and that's yeah. that sounds like what you do. Like you want to you want to do more than that. You want to do more than that. you want to reach people and give them message and lift them up. I do. And then again, sometimes I just like chord structures. So okay. as I've matured in my songwriting, sometimes I've uh, gone more toward what could be popular rather than a voice or a message or a poem, like fooling around with chord progressions and then kind of whatever fits. And I've learned over the years with my songwriting, and I think, uh, you know, the whole folk song movement has really mm. changed uh or at least it has for me, I think attention spans, people don't like to listen to every detail in songs the way they used to. And my strategy now is to get more uh, of a strong hook by using a lot of repetition so that people can actually sing along by the end of hearing the song at the first time. So my goal is to write lyrics that are so catchy in the chorus that person will be singing along the last time I sing the chorus. The analogy that came to mind was going to a comedy show and you hear a comedian and you're laughing and everybody there's laughing and then you walk out and five minutes later, tell me a joke that, that, that made you laugh. Or maybe a day or two later, you might say, oh, this guy was so good or this one was so funny. We that, that, that. Then a couple of weeks later, you can't remember a single thing that made you laugh so much. So you write something that's more memorable and the repetition is so key on that. So you put those together. Now, we're, we're going to talk about a few of your songs. The first one we're going to talk about is Jamaica. How does that fit into that scheme of songwriting? <laughs> well, it's actually probably one of my sexier songs. Uh, yeah. I can perform it when there's young people, but actually I was involved in a kind of a fling with a black man in our neighborhood, <laughs> and I won't mention names. And... Um, I, you know, something about having a sexual relationship has always kind of uh, motivated the creative juices for me. Oh. <laughs> um, so um, in the in the time of this relationship, I was walking in the park. We have a beautiful Greenbelt Park here in South Scottsdale. And I was walking in the park and the lyrics were just coming to me. I go to Jamaica every time we meet. I go to the Jamaica every time I come. I go to Jamaica every time I think of you. I come, I go to Jamaica, um, um, um. It's like almost like, you know, embarrassment about um, um, um. Uh, I'm yeah. coming, just thinking okay, of you. I got gotcha. you. Um, 
So obviously I'm over the edge. I am not for somebody that's lily white, probably, but I enjoy life. And that's an important theme to me. We've been trying to get so, together and, and trying to get music of yours so I could listen to it. So we could incorporate it into the podcast, which is the format of the show. And I finally got music for me today. So I had it on, but it's a background song. I was kind of listening, but not really paying attention. So, you know, oh. there's, there's, there's hearing it, but not listening. So now I have to listen to it <laughs> and see how I, I pulled that off. It see was how really you pulled that off. from like passionate emotion is really where it came from. That's wonderful. And we're going to play it now and then we'll come back and talk about the Banshees, the wild Banshees and some other okay. songs of yours. But right now we're going to take a trip to Jamaica. Every time we meet, I go to Jamaica. Every time I come, I go to Jamaica. Sometimes when I think of you, I go to Jamaica. Every time I go to Jamaica. Sometimes when I think of you, I go to Jamaica. Um, um, um. Also has a band called the Wild Banshees we'll talk about here in a moment. But she did talk a little bit about mandolins and made me think about Joe Mendel's frets. Octave mandolins, Joe Mendel's signature piece of art, gives you that sweet tone somewhere between a mandolin and a guitar. It has that punch of a mandolin, while it also delivers the sustain and the range of a guitar. And he builds them to your specifications. You might prefer an Adirondack top to the Sitka, maybe black walnut, mahogany, rosewood, or maple. You select the wood. 
You select the style, and Joe will make it for you. Your own octave mandolin. I call them Mendel's Mandos. The octave mandolin, available at joemendelsfrets.com. So the wild banshees evoke so many interesting images of ancient lore and, I guess, uh, Gaelic ghosts in the forest, etc. Why the wild banshees? Who came up with the name? I've been hosting open mics and jams and songwriter showcases for the past about 10 years in, in, in Scottsdale area and Mesa, etc. And um, at the time, I was hosting a a type of a jam. I called it alternative jam. It was a drum circle together with instruments. And it was in a beautiful art gallery called the Zona Gallery. And we just came up with fascinating combinations of instruments, uh, lots of drums. So we would supply a lot of drums, hand drums, and a bass guitar and a bass amp and guitars, folk, uh, acoustic guitars. I would have my flute, we'd have an amplifier. And so in the midst of doing these jams pretty early on in this Zona Gallery, a beautiful art gallery, surrounded with nude paintings, <laughs> um, life-size, over the bigger than life-size nude paintings, beautiful gallery. Um, we were like, wow, we need to have a name. And one of our, our percussionists said, the wild banshees. And we all looked at each other and it just stuck. So it came out of this group of people that included a lead guitarist, Little Lady Melissa, Bigfoot Harry Larry, which is a later name that we I gave him. Uh, I can't remember the name of the percussionist that actually said it. Um, and myself, we were the only ones in the room at that moment. I'm, I'm looking at a list of people you gave me, Jerry, Jerry Valentine, it Matthew Crow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Jerry, okay. Jerry Valentine came like right after that um, into that group. Um, Philip Waddell was the okay. name of the guy. Philip, he's a percussionist. He moved uh, north up to, I think, Payson or Prescott, Payson. And so anyway, um, when he mentioned it, and so we always said it, the wild banshees with C-H-E-E-S. And oh. traditionally it's spelled S-H-E-E-S. And, you know, it's always like, you know, a parent scolding the kids. You sound like a bunch of wild banshees, like to hush up. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, we had spelled it banshees uh, instead of she's. And the idea is traditionally with the Irish folklore, the banshees were female uh, spirit entities that would guide the uh people who are passing away into the next world. Oh, That's wow. like okay. what it's about. And in a way, I guess, uh, well, for healing, I do healing arts for a living. I kind of uh, take people on journeys into other spaces is the best way to put my type of work. It's based on body work, but I'm also a, a space cadet. <laughs> so <laughs> I take people on these journeys and they come back transformed uh, through the body work and the experience. And they're always like, wow, that's really different. So um, I, I have that in me of taking people into other worlds. When you get together with the band is songwriting different than when you're writing songs that you're going to do on your own on a solo project is just Shan Jan Crane. Well, that's a good question. Generally, I, I write uh, by myself, um, but um, one of the songs that we're going to feature, uh, The Funky Down, is one that uh, I think is the next one we're going to yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. It just happens to be one that came out of uh, this band, um, being really the bass player myself. Um, being the core, we're the only surviving people from the founding members oh. of the two of us. This song, at, at first when I met my bass player, he was only playing percussion, and he actually showed up at that Zona Gallery alternative jam, and the way we met, he was walking toward the event, and I was still bringing in all these uh, musical 
uh, equipment and drums and things. And mm -hmm. I had them on the sidewalk there. And it was about uh, 40 or 50 feet to the entrance. And I saw him walking in that direction. I said, if you're walking that way, do you mind ca carrying a few of these things that way? <laughs> so we're walking and he, uh, I asked him, so where are you going? And he says, oh, to this music thing with some drums. And I'm like, oh, that's what we're doing. Oh. That's, you know, it was my gig, right? right. Well, <laughs> so that's how we met. And he was playing percussion at the time. He learned later to play bass on my songs, one song at a time. But we had this strong connection from that moment. Anyway, uh, at first... He would just play really simple percussion to give a beat and i made up the flute line and that's the hook of the song is the flute line and um and then our lead guitarist she would play her parts is based on the same kind of theme and uh, later larry bigfoot harry larry he was uh playing with a bass line and it just so happened to work with the same exact it, the reason I called it funky down is because it actually is a, it's based on an E flat kind of uh, pentatonic scale. So mm -hmm. it's it, uh, C major is the relative major to the E flat minor pentatonic right. scale. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so it was like, I got to remember. And so I called it E, you know, like an E flat jam. And then it was like funky down e down like it's it's, it's down it's down from the e you right. know so <laughs> anyway that's how that came about and um, people like it because it's really different it is funky. it really is different when I first got that like I get five to twenty songs a day from people that want to be on the podcast or you know here here's my new album pick a song like no. <laughs> <laughs> so I sample as much as I can. And and when you and I first connected, it was probably months ago when we first connected. And I've listened to some of your stuff and it's energy and uplifting and it's powerful and it's that, that, that. So I'm thinking funk E down. This is going to be so cool. And I'm thinking you're going to maybe bring some horns in and it's going to be like, you know, kind of, it's not, <laughs> it's not. And so, so you approach it a song, <laughs> it could be, but I approach a song with a certain frame of reference of what I anticipate it to be. And it comes out with something entirely different. And I'm so pleasantly pleased with the song of the direction it went because it's so much better than what I was imagining it was going to be. So who are the, who are the artists, who are the artists on Funky Down? Yes. Yeah, so these recordings that I submitted to you uh, don't have our drummer. Okay. And on that recording, uh, at the time, we were really a five piece. Um, and our drummer called in sick that night, but he knew we were recording live out at Focal, the restaurant where we play. And uh, we just, the show must go on. You know, it's like we're doing it anyway. We're recording anyway. I just liked the way that we played that night, even though the drummer wasn't there. So Featured in that particular recording is Bigfoot Harry Larry on bass. He starts it out. The percussionist starts to add a little bit usually, but he's not there. Um, then I'm the, the lead most prominent instrument is uh, my flute. And uh, the fiddler is in there. That's Orlando Moss, the fiddler. <laughs> and uh, Buddy Apfel is... Uh, very talented horn player. He's playing a flugelbone, which is a marching trombone, but he likes to call it flugelbone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's a four piece in that uh, particular arrangement. Normally, when we have a percussionist, the percussionist gets a solo in the middle of the piece. Uh -huh. But he wasn't and, there to take it. Well, let's give this a sh I was going to give this a shout. Let's give this a listen and see if people have the same takeaway as I did from Funk E Down, Shan Jam Crane, Wild Banshees from Scottsdale, Arizona, and the song Funk E Down. Funk E Down. Thank you. 
of america podcast i'm your host tom pollard and we're listening to shan jam crane and the wild banshees that song funk e down and we're going to come back talk a little bit about an adventure after we talk about a cat box it's really really simple buy kitty's litter box open the box place litter in box introduce box to your cat when the cat does their business for about a month or so close the box throw it away that's it. Just close the box, grab the handle of this biodegradable box, and throw it away. It's perfect for traveling with your favorite feline. It's affordable. It's convenient. And that's the one thing I didn't like about cats. And I don't know how it got to be my job, but I had to clean the litter box, and I didn't like it. If Kitty's litter box were around, say, 20 years ago, who knows? I might still have cats. Kitty's litter box, all lowercase, kittieslitterbox.com. Order today. It's perfect. So with Shan Jam Crane, not with the Wild Banshees. She's just with us alone. Where is everybody when you're not performing and where you perform when you do perform? Are you? So I have an office where I do my healing arts. I've been a licensed massage therapist for almost 30 years here. And I've always had my own office. Um, I'm also a transformational life coach. So that's how I earn my living that gives me the freedom to choose where i want to play and not have to chase the money as a musician because that that's great what i i don't want to live as a starving artist <laughs> um all my musician uh friends in the band they all have other jobs so our drummer who's not featured in these recordings uh does doordash <laughs> he's uh-huh. a free spirit he, he just can pick and choose and you know what time 
my bass player, Bigfoot Harry Larry, is working at a, as a clerk at a Chevron station uh, at night. Uh, and Orlando Moss, the fiddler, as I was mentioning before, he uh, was a, an educator, a teacher. He would lead uh, ensembles of string instruments like string orchestras by day. He created that job by going to schools and finding a, a school that would uh, go with that. And um, he plays and played in symphonies and wow. he taught private lessons. So he was the real musician as far as making his money doing music. Um, and then I do my healing arts. So, uh, oh, and then Buddy Apfel. Buddy is a real musician. Um, he plays stand-up bass, double bass. He plays uh, different horns, uh, a variety, euphonium, flugelbone, uh, probably some other horns that I can't think of the names at the moment. Yeah. Maybe, I think maybe he plays a French horn also, but yeah. Um, yeah, don't quote me on that. But he he travels a lot and he would just play with us sometimes when he was available. So we're lucky that we had him playing on these recordings. Um, we recorded with uh, Chris Pentecost of Acme Recording Studios of Scottsdale, Arizona. I want to put out a little plug yeah. there. He recorded us live on five occasions within the past year. And, you know, I would critique my, I have my own little recorder and I would listen to my little recorder and then say, how about let's mix down these certain songs. And I've known Chris easily for about 12 years or more uh -huh. and we're neighbors. So that works. Oh, that helps. Well. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it works. We're friends. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and actually I was listening on the plane yesterday, coming back from Arkansas and I texted him when I changed planes in Denver and I said, could you maybe mix down these from this particular date, uh, February 5th of 2023? I said, I have a podcast tomorrow and <laughs> I'd really like to use those uh, or else I'll just have to use something else I have from my little recorder. So he got with it and he, he uh, mixed them down and sent them. So I was really happy. Yeah. That's so Thank cool. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, way to go, Chris. So the, the next song we're going to hear is a, a newer song. Is that right? Adventure? Yes. It's the newest song that we play out as a band. A lot of the songs are older material that I've written over the years that, you know, I worked up uh, with band. Um, but this one, it's called Adventure. And I wrote it, uh, I was playing flute along with another uh, band at the time. Their name was As Is Band. And it was a couple. And then uh, I, I was adding my flute and they had a percussionist. So um, As Is Band was uh, the songwriter in that group, uh, Buzz Babbins. He had written a song that was about uh, going with the flow, and I liked the chords, and so I monkeyed around with playing with the similar chords and came up with this song that I call Adventure. Um, so thanks, Buzz. <laughs> what should we <laughs> be listening? There. What should we be <laughs> listening for that makes this uh, kind of its unique song? I guess we talked earlier about yes. how. You wanted that memorable hook. Yes. So this song is about, well, it says next time adventure calls, you just pack your bags and go. Um, because I am a free spirit and I am an adventurer. And I did travel with a backpack uh, through Southeast Asia and, you know, slept in under bridges, slept uh, in caves, and did a lot of crazy stuff uh, yeah. in my 20s. And I think adventuring is really important and exploring the world. And so another lyric in the song says, um, bring a flute, you can play a melody uh, to cheer the hearts of people you meet. And I did, I had my flute. So That's it's so kind cool. of a little bit of a reflection of my life. And um, it's very melodic. So mm -hmm. the reason that I was real inspired with these chords, C sharp minor uh, pentatonic, uh, sorry, C, C sharp minor, oh, sorry, C, C sharp major seventh 
and B major seven um, are the primary chords um, when I play it. And I love major seventh chords. So oh, the major absolutely. seventh chords are the ones that add that ethereal, dreamy kind of feel. And so that's why I could write this song with those chords. And so that's so funny because my, my favorite chord is the A major seventh. The song Beautiful by Gordon Lightfoot leads with an, it's in A major, in the key of A major, it's an A major seven chord, key, whatever. And yes. it opens with A major seven chord, which is the most beautiful chord. And the name of the song is Beautiful. Like he couldn't have written this one any better, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love those major seventh chords. And many of them are actually pretty hard to play and they're beyond my ability. But, um, the, the D major seventh, the A major seventh, the C sharp uh, major seventh. Anyway, these are right. ones I can play. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to hear a couple of those on the next song we're going to play. And that song is called Adventure. Thank you. 
was Adventure with Shan Jam Crane and the Wild Banshees, our guest today of Scottsdale, Arizona. And before we leave today, Shan Jam, we always give this last segment to the guests for what I call the shameless self-promotion. Plug your merch, plug your website, plug whatever you're doing, whatever's coming up, new CDs, whatever, go. Thank you. Well, uh, partly because of your enthusiasm, support. Uh, I will be releasing some MP3s. It's been a long time, but I really don't even have a CD after all these years. I'm 64 years old, have been playing original music and, you know, uh, with bands and so many people for 30 some odd years. And finally, I will be making some release. So it'll be out there on Spotify and all the other, you know, platforms. I do have a YouTube channel. Uh, my my given name or not given name, my legal name is Shannon Crane, S-H-A-N-N-O-N, Crane, C-R-A-N-E. My stage name is Shan Jam Crane, and my band is The Wild Banshees, spelled C-H-E-E-S, The Wild Banshees. And so you can look Shan Jam Crane and The Wild Banshees. Uh, you'll find on YouTube, you'll find on Facebook little bit on Instagram, um, but I will be doing more with the actual MP3 recordings that we've been working on, uh, you know, so yeah, thank you. <laughs> so it's all part of the process, you know, songwriters and performing. I guess I'm more of a performing musician and I haven't worked the industry as well as some people maybe my age have done. And it's time that I start capitalizing on my efforts. But what's cool about that is that's not what you set out to do. And you brought that up once or twice already here that you didn't set out to monetize this. You set out to create and make music and share music and do do things, uplift people and get messages to them. And that's what you do. And now if you want to monetize, why not? Why not? You know, and if it doesn't come to fruition, doesn't matter because it's not what you're in this for anyway, correct? Thank you. Yes. And I also want to say we play at a local Vietnamese restaurant bar every Sunday. Uh, I call it Sunday Songwriters. And we feature guest songwriter performers from 7 o'clock till 7.40. And then my band takes the stage and we play until 9 o'clock. So that's Sunday Songwriters at Focal in Scottsdale, Arizona with the Wild Banshees. And Shan Jan Crane is the leader of that. I'm looking at my notes, and that's something that we just completely skipped over that, and we skipped over the As Is Band. Yeah, well, the As Is Band, they kind of took a hiatus during the pandemic, and uh -huh. uh, so they have other people play with them now, and that's fine. I'm pretty busy with my uh, Sunday songwriters. and there you go. Uh, uh, So... I enjoy, I do a lot of promotions. I'm also very much behind the scenes in the Arizona music on Facebook. I host at least 12 different ad administrator uh, positions of different groups on Facebook. Wow. So I'm always uh, approving people who want to join, uh, blocking people who want to spam, uh, making each group have its own focus, whether it's in Scottsdale or all of Arizona or uh, whether it's selling equipment or jams so i have az open mics and jams i have uh -huh. az live music i have like i say at least 12 different groups that i admin so that takes a lot of time and then all the promotion for our shows and you know i work right. on helping our guests have better promotional materials well, we'll be watching for your new cds on spotify in the meantime and again it's shan like shannon jam like she jams on the flute so shan jam 
crane, like crane technique, karate kid, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like the air conditioner. There we go. Shan jam. (laughs) Or the toilet. There There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I want to go there? Literally. (laughs) Oh, well. But Shan jam, thank you so much. Can I say just one more thing? Sure. Okay. We have a new horn player. He is fantastic on trumpet. His name is um, Matthew, Matthew Crow. Crow. Yeah, Matthew Crow on trumpet. And he he uh, started to play with us just before Orlando had his stroke. Oh, wow. So it's serendipitous that now we have him and Buddy's moved on to other things. So our band has gone through another change again. So now we're officially a four piece. Gotcha. Well, thanks for getting that in. He's, again, another one of those on my notes that I forgot to, to mention. So thank you again. We've been talking to Shan Jam Crane, the Wild Banshees from Scottsdale, Arizona. Join us tomorrow. We'll be talking with Gabriel the Messenger, my first ever rapper that I've ever interviewed. And it'll be tomorrow right here on the Music of America podcast. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.